Has Jesus Christ abandoned the Catholic Church? One might be tempted to ask that question with all the craziness that are going on in different parts of the church, on top of which was the announcement we had before Mass today. Could it be that somehow God may have washed his hands of this whole enterprise to move on? It's an important question to ask. If he has, that's one thing. Get out, go find him wherever he may be. But if he has not, why would anybody leave or stop practicing the faith, even if there are some mighty powerful people who did evil in it, and thereby allow evil to win by people who did things against the faith? So this is an important question to ask. Of course, Jesus did say that he would never abandon his church and that the gates of the never, netherworld would never prevail against it and that he would always be here for our salvation. Salvation comes through Jesus Christ. He is the word made flesh. Through his life, death, and resurrection, Jesus creates an endless pool of grace, all that we could possibly ever need that could never entirely be used up, which is great for all the people who lived up before Jesus, all the people who lived at the time of Jesus, but how does he get that grace forward 2,000 plus years later to us? Well, Jesus established a church. The church has two basic roles. Number one is to announce the kingdom. Let me tell you about Jesus, what he did for me, and what he can do for you. The second thing that the church is supposed to do is celebrate the sacraments. For, put up with me for just a moment for a return to your fifth grade catechism class. A sacrament is an outward sign instituted by Christ to give us grace, an outward sign instituted by Christ to give us grace, an outward sign, something visible that we do that tells us about something invisible that is powerfully taking place. So at baptism, we use the visible uh, substance of water to pour over someone's head. As we say, I baptize you in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. In confirmation, the bishop will take uh, chrism, and make a cross on your forehead with it, that visible thing telling us that someone's being sealed with the Holy Spirit. So an outward sign, instituted by Christ. Somewhere, Jesus told us to do this, either directly or indirectly, maybe directly, like in the letter of James for the anointing of the sick. Are there people sick among you? Let them send for the priests and let the priest pray over them, anointing them with oil in the name of the Lord. The prayer of faith will save the sick persons or maybe indirectly. Get the thickest Bible you can find, one with all the books in it, and nowhere will you find that Jesus said, build a little box, put a screen in the middle of it with a red light on the outside so people can confess their sins. But what he did say at the end of John, he breathed on the disciples and said, whose sins you forgive are forgiven them. Whose sins you retain are retained so that the church has been given this gift. And the confession, the confessionals that we have is just one iteration of, of how the church uses her power to forgive sins. So an outward sign instituted by Christ to give us grace, that endless pool of grace. And what is grace? Grace is any divine help that we receive to bring us closer to God and to bring us closer together in Jesus.
So thereby, the sacraments become the plumbing from that endless pool of grace to us here today, every time we celebrate it. And every time we celebrate a sacrament then, ultimately, it's Jesus Christ who performs the sacrament through his life, death, and resurrection. The Catholic Church only has one priest, only ever has one priest, only ever will have one priest, Jesus Christ. My priesthood and Father Anthony's priesthood merely participates in the priesthood of Jesus Christ. So when you were baptized, it was ultimately Jesus Christ who baptized you. When you were forgiven in sin by the priest, ultimately it's Jesus Christ who forgave you. So I tell my couples who are about to be married when we're having this discussion, let's say for your honeymoon, you go to Rome and you go to St. Peter's Basilica beautiful big church and Pope Francis is preaching and he's knocking your socks off he's so fantastic and the Cleveland Orchestra and Choir is providing all the music and you go out of there on cloud nine that was fantastic I feel reinvigorated in the faith that was great and the next day you want to go to mass again but the concierge at your hotel says sorry you can't your taxi's going to be here soon they're going to get you to the airport you don't have time to do that however down in the basement of the hotel there's a youth group that's about to have a mass. If you want to join them, you can join them. And being good Catholics that you are, you say, okay, let's go. And you go down. And it's truly a basement. It's kind of dank. The ceiling tiles are falling in. You're sitting on folding chairs. There's a tone-deaf nun with an out-of-tune guitar trying to lead the music. The altar is a folding table with a banquet cloth thrown over it. The priest comes out. He's been thinking about leaving the priesthood, and today he's got a hangover, and you know both those things are true because you were out drinking with him last night. (laughs) Now, it may be that intellectually you got more out of one mass than the other mass. Aesthetically, you might have loved one mass more than the other mass. But the Jesus Christ preached in the gospel And the Jesus Christ that's present on the altar was exactly the same at both masses because ultimately it's Jesus Christ who makes himself present in the church. It doesn't rely on the holiness of the priest or the people. Jesus makes himself present. So while it may be possible for people to abandon Jesus, it is impossible for Jesus to abandon his church. Educated adults, clergy, religious, even bishops can go down the wrong path. But it is impossible for Jesus to abandon his church. And that's why the Eucharist is the key to our faith. It's why the Eucharist must be his body and blood, soul and divinity. Or this whole thing is suspect. Because the church really doesn't rely on the sanctity of the priest. Could you imagine if we had to rely on my sanctity or Father Anthony's sanctity or the bishop's sanctity? If it is symbolic then, why do it every week, right? It would be like a history teachers getting together every week to reenact the signing of the Declaration of Independence. A little bit of overkill. Why would we do that every week? Or to say that he's present, but we can't say how, or we can't say for how long. How can you be in love with something like that? Enough to lay down your life as these crowd of witnesses have that surround us. I gave up the idea of a wife and children in a home 
for a divine person that I know to be among us in the form of bread and wine. Anything less than that is not worth it. Not worth this level of commitment or sacrifice. Let someone else do it. But as it is, he is present and he makes himself present and he does so through fallible servants. At the center of our faith and at the center of our community, at the source and summit of our lives, we have a person, a divine person, a living, loving, powerful person. Not a pope, not a bishop, not a priest, not a deacon, not any fallible human person, but Jesus himself. How else could this institution have survived 2,000 plus years of us? Walking through our neighborhood the other day, there are all kinds of things that people have in their front yards to declare publicly what they hold dear. Political positions, school pride, sports teams, support of the military, sexual preferences, nationalities through flags and all kinds of things. You can find all kinds of things. Statues of Mary, awesome. Today we will do something similar. If you are invited, as you heard at the beginning of the mass, we are going to have a Eucharistic procession. We're gonna go out, we're gonna take Jesus out our doors. We're gonna go out our front doors. We're gonna march down Mall Avenue and up um, uh, Crestview Street, all the way up to Julie Billiard to profess our faith, to give praise to Jesus and let him uh, bless us back and to make a public statement of our belief in Jesus Christ. If you wish to join, I highly encourage you, when you see Father Anthony and I going down the aisle, please just get out and follow us out the front doors. If you can't make that walk and you want to join anyway, get in your car and meet us up there. We'll be going into the upper parking lot. And if for any reason you can't go, please pray for those who are going on the procession. Thank you.